bandheads, we have reached the end or the break, I'll say, of the marching season. Thanksgiving has passed. We got to see the Bayou Classic Battle of the Bands and the Bayou Classic on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And yet, it typically marks the end of the marching season. However, we're going to have quite a few Battle of the Bands going on in January and February. And then there's Mardi Gras. And then there's like the Jamborees. Well, I guess the season is not really over yet. Well, anyway, today I have the pleasure of talking to Corey Denard, who is known as Mr. Hankey. He is a famous producer. He's produced everybody from T.I., City Girls, 2 Chain, Soldier Boy, you know, just your regular run-of-the-mill hip-hop producer who has produced some of the songs that we know and love. I mean, I looked at his discography and there were songs on there that I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize he did that. I mean, he's he's a big deal. He's a big deal. And he marched for Southern University, the human jukebox. And <laughs> the conversation that I had with him earlier, oh man, it's it's funny. Y- y'all, y'all jukes, y'all, y'all a trip. That's that's all I'm gonna say. Anyway, <laughs> I'm very proud of what he's done, and I mean he's just a cool dude, and so let me let you listen to my interview with Corey Denard, better known as Mr. Hanky. Oh my goodness. I have Corey Denard with me. He is better known as Mr. Hanky. Worldwide producer, has produced everybody from, I don't know, T.I., City Girls, Snoop, Jeezy. Just, I can't even like touch the number of names that he has produced. But in case you didn't know, he actually marched for Southern University. <laughs> Remember the human jukebox? Yes, the one and only, yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So I am (laughs) so glad that you're here. I'm glad you wanted to do this podcast. Of course. Uh, It's it's also a a great time for me as well. You know, like I said, uh, off camera, you know, like I I was on the fifth quarter at one time. uh, And I'm glad you never kicked me off. uh, (laughs) Because we was was wild back then, but... um, (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to get right into it. You know, really, this podcast is just talking to people about their HBCU band experience and how it helped to make them who they are today and, you know, just what they're doing now. So what I'd like to do is start from the beginning. So where's your hometown? I'm born born and raised right here in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Okay. And did you come from a musical family? Uh, of course, uh, my mother's a classically trained musician. So is my sister. She went to Southern University as well. Um, and she went to grad school at University of Michigan. And it was crazy. Uh, we just got back from New York because she just performed at Carnegie Hall. Oh, wow. That is, that's a bucket list item right there, Carnegie Hall. Yeah, it's, it's up, as they say. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what was, your, what was your primary instrument? And when did you first start learning to, to play it? Um, my, my primary interest instrument was a uh, trumpet, and when I got to Southern, it became a uh, super first trumpet. Um, and my secondary instrument, of course, is piano, but uh, yeah, you know, that throw that in there. <laughs> okay, okay. So did you learn piano first? Yeah, definitely learned piano first uh, with my mom. She's, um, she used to be a, uh educated here at Atlanta Public School. She played for Atlanta Symphony Orchestra. So my earliest memory of music is, you know, going to rehearsals with her as a kid and playing with, you know, trucks and stuff and sitting under the, the piano and watching the keys hit, you know, all that kind of stuff is crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
I picked up the trumpet around six or seven. Okay. Oh, wow. So you've been, you've been playing for a while. So you go through, you know, well, I guess you've been playing in elementary school and then middle school, and then you get mm-hmm. to high school. Where's your, where's your high school? So I went to Ronald E. McNair High School in um, East Atlanta, uh, Boulder Chris. Uh, my first band director was Eddie Ellis. And um, my 10th grade year, he went over to take over at Morris Brown when um, Dr. Cleophis Johnson passed. And then after that, uh, Mr. Barry Alexander, who went to Alabama and m took over. He was one of the assistants at McNair. Okay. And I think he went to grad school at Hampton under Barney Smart. Yeah. All right. Wow. Lots of ties in the HBCU band world. So were you like a drum major in high school or were you section leader or... I'm a major, but uh, I knew it wasn't going to happen. I just went out for it <laughs> uh, uh, because I played my, you know, I was sexually, I was over the section, so they're not going to put the person over the section, you know, on a drum major. Uh, but yeah, I was made district honor band, all state a couple of times as well. So I was very good. Okay. And when did you first hear about Southern University? Ooh, um, it's deep for me uh, because. Me growing up here in Atlanta, when the um, 100 Black Men Classic, so my dad, another HBCU tie, my dad went to Alabama State. My mother went to Talladega College. Mm-hmm. And Alabama State came up here to play somebody. I want to say it was Tennessee State or somebody. And um, I think we missed that game. No, we, I remember we, we hit that game. And then I remember uh, Southern and Florida and they played. This was like 86 something like the Fulton County Stadium, 85 or 86. I was young, y'all. And I just remember the sound from Southern. I know I never heard anything like that in my life. Um, and, like, I was just getting interested in, you know, trumpets and all this other stuff. And I knew, like, I knew everybody else that sounded decent, but I knew they sounded like, like, it was different. I had never heard anything like that in my life. And so that was my first exposure to Southern. A little bit later, like in 91, they played South Carolina State and another hundred bit black man classic. And I was in the Boy Scouts. And I remember, and I was, you know, kind of playing basketball at the time, you know, Georgia Tech basketball camps. But I, I remember I was in the Boy Scouts and we were ushering that game. I don't know how that happened, but we ended up being like ushers and helping old people up the steps. And um, all I remember, I just heard this snare drum like in the distance go. And everybody's like, where are you coming from? And we just heard this AO coming around. It sounded like it was like blocks away. And they were blocks away. And then they got closer and then they played Bladehead and the cymbal started flying and the dancer dolls started doing their thing. And that was it. I was like, oh, I remember them. And that was it. And my real first real encounter with Dr. Griggs was in eighth grade when he came up to McNair as a clinician during our summer camp. Him and Mr. Ellis was real tight. So he came up there. And he was like, you, you coming to Southern? I was like, yes. And that was it. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's talk about you. You know, you decide to go to Southern. And were you deciding to do like a music major or music production? Or tell me about like what you wanted to study. Uh, I studied music education. At the time, I wanted to be a band director. Um, ironically, Nathan Hamer and our classmates, we were in the music department at the same time. Nathan Hamer, Miguel Bonds, you know, a lot of the heavy hitters in the HBCU world. And even Kedrick Taylor, he was an upcoming freshman. 
I want to say he was, but I was still on the yard. He was in the department at the same time as well, along with my sister. Wow. Okay. So your first band camp, (laughs) think back to when it was your first band camp. What was that like? Oh, it was, it was a very special moment. Um, (laughs) It was beautiful. Um, We were working with open arms Mm -hmm. and, you know, we were showing a lot of love, a lot of love. Okay. Okay. See, I'm not using the video of this. <laughs> and I, I just want to say that you have the hugest smile on your face for the people who can't see it. So it was a lot of well, love. You gotta huh? use the video. It was a lot of, I mean, they showed us love from the time we stepped on the campus until, you know, Bayou Classic. We got showed a lot of love. And in turn, we showed a lot of love to the upcoming class, you know, and, and so forth, you know. Okay. I, w- <laughs> I will leave that there. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the rivalries that you've had. Um, some of the memorable battles you might have gone through as you marched. Um, it's gonna sound really arrogant, but I don't remember too many other bands. Like that is just like a southern person. Oh, that's no, so textbook. It's it's so real because like I know it sounds cliche, other schools say it, but we really only try to outdo ourselves. You know, um, you know, we go out execute, you know, what we practice to the highest form to the highest form of performance to the point to where we just so locked in. I remember a lot of facial reactions though when people stepped in front of the band. I do remember that. Okay, um, let's talk about it. I want to say the year was like ninety-nine, that whole ninety-nine year. And this is the year we re- we released the infamous uh Can You Feel It? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lawrence Jackson. So the cool thing about it is, you know, I don't think anybody in the band at that time in 99 band knew what we had because when Mr. Jackson first passed it out, you know, it was, it was cool, you know, but then the more and more we started to play it, we was like, oh, this is crazy. And then he passed out the original song, but the fanfare beforehand, he passed that out later on. Mm-hmm. Again, you know what I'm saying? The intro to it. So uh I remember <laughs> I remember it was 99. I think we played Hampton in the Circus City Classic. And um, I don't know, we that's one of the main games that we really started releasing Can You Feel It. Um, and I remember the look on their faces as we were marching out, they was like, oh my gosh. And then we got back to the rooms and, you know, the hotel and like they were literally wanted autographs. And I'm not lying. That was crazy. Another Are you rea- Hampton band members asked for y'all's autographs? Yeah. Um, but Don Cookman was asking for it too in 98. Um, my crab year, my, I mean, my freshman year um, at the Heritage Bowl. We were practicing in the hotel. I forgot. I want to say the Marriott Marquis or something. And you could, we were literally shaking the hotel with sound. It was crazy. And um, we, out the band room, out the ballroom, we was practicing the lower ballroom, and they just came and was like, oh, man, y'all, this is crazy, man, this is crazy. You know, how did y'all do this? And, I, and we were just like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so uh, let me think. I don't remember any battles. I mean, nah. I remember I remember the reaction to KU feeling in 99 at FAMU um, during the fifth quarter. Okay, let's talk about it. Yeah, um, you know, the Jackson State game, um, it actually made Jackson State 
changed their whole style of arranging and playing because up until that time, let's just be real, okay? For so long, our style of play was so demonized. It was so unmusical. I remember on the fifth quarter, they was like, oh, it's so, you guys are so just boisterous and loud and overbearing it. Playing the instrument uncharacteristic out of its characteristics. And um, after 99, we noticed a change at Jackson State. They tried to, you know, arrange like us. They tried to outsell the Southern. It really don't work. But, yeah, that's what ended up happening. And I think it was in Jackson State's school paper. The students was talking about how bad it was because we didn't blow them out not once, but twice. The regular game in Jackson and then again at the SWAC championship in front of all the other SWAC bands. Yeah, so let's so, talk about that. I was I was at that that 99 SWAC championship with all 10 SWAC bands. And I remember, can you feel it? I And I felt it in Legion Field. <laughs> I felt it. And I remember that y'all played that little intro tag and you were like, Jackson State, can you feel it? Yeah, we, we were all up in their hype. I mean, and, and the, the group that I traveled with, we came from mostly A&T and FAMU. And mm-hmm. we were just really, <laughs> but I mean, I, I'll tell you, I've always been a fan of Southern and you talk about how like they were catching a lot of flack for playing uncharacteristically or whatever. I never ascribe to that. I like band aggression. I like it. Um, I like, I mean, that's, I like the masculinity of it. And I think nobody can out Southern Southern. Like if you are the opposing band and you try to be on the defense or do the same thing that Southern does, you're never going to really, it's not going to turn out good for you. No, uh, because there, there's other factors to Southern being Southern. Um, it's not just, it's not just a volume thing. It's more of a style thing. And it's, it's a whole ecosystem that makes these things possible. Um, even to the point, like, you know, we went from being ridiculed to now, you look at most of the bands, they've gone so far to, you know, they've talked junk for years and say, oh, we got y'all here. And then they go out and hire Southern grads. Mm-hmm. So it's like, <laughs> it's like y'all were better than us, but there's nobody in y'all legendary program that can lead y'all band that y'all have to go get people who came from our tree. We got people at Alcorn, Talladega, uh, Norfolk State, Jackson State, and now Texas Southern. Uh, which is actually the funniest of all of them because they was the biggest ones talking about their tradition. And like out of everybody out of this great tradition, you don't have nobody to, to keep it going. You got to get somebody from a rival to keep it going. So we're flattered. We love it. <laughs> Spoken like a true Jaguar. I love it. <laughs> so let's talk about Dr. Greggs. So mm-hmm. t- tell me some stuff about him. Like, how, how was it being under his baton? Like, what kind of things did he teach you? What lessons have you been able to take away from that? Uh, the main thing is is manhood, you know. Um, you know, during that time with Dr. Griggs, we only had about maybe four or five girls in the band. And that wasn't necessarily by design. It was just he demanded so much to where 
you know, I remember my freshman year, we had almost 300 freshmen try out for the band, and we ended up with like maybe 60, 70 finishing. What? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and it's not, and most of them were guys, you know, it was just, he just did not play. We didn't wear, we couldn't wear any earrings in the band. So that's why I never got my ears pierced. Your, your pants couldn't be sagging, couldn't have dreadlocks, couldn't have any kind of, you had to have a very clean cut type situation. If you had a beard, it had to be trimmed to a certain length. It was very military. It was very uniform to the point we had practice uniforms. You know what I'm saying? And if you came to practice with the wrong shirt on, I don't know. It might not end well for you. You know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. what was cool about it is he taught us something that lasts to this day and that echoes throughout the band to the day that no one man is bigger than Southern Band. No one man is bigger than the S. And he preached that to this point that still goes on to the day. Um, whether you're the best player in the band, I saw him, I saw him kick the best player out mm-hmm. and think anything about it. Even my uh, roommate at, at the time in uh, 99, my, my college buddy, uh, my high school homeboy, you know, he was a drum major, uh, 99, got zipped during Bayou Classic, you know, did one too many rolls back as a drum major. And when we came off the field, he was like, give me my shit. You know, like, and he was no longer the drum major. All the homeboy, uh, Dallas, Xavier Gerald, came in for the SWAT championship. We had a whole nother drum major for the SWAT championship in 99. And it just kept on going. Next man up. Wow, he didn't play. Oh, man. So, uh, you know, you, you learn lessons of manhood, though. Any other, like, lessons or things that you take with you now? Oh, uh, the main thing is just... Just being being able to communicate with people. He was a very straightforward person. Uh, he didn't care, you know, what it what it made you feel like. If he felt like saying it and it was real, he was gonna say it. Um, and I think that's what's missing in today's world because I don't think he could. So I don't think he would be, you know, I can say he would be appreciated, but he would have a lot of problems in today's politically correct world. And I think that's one of the reasons why it worked out that I'm a producer as well because i don't know if i would be a great i'm cut from that same cloth i don't think i would necessarily be good administrative wise for a school you know, mm-hmm. or university because i you know i say what i feel right then and there right well i mean in your line of work you you know you gotta really be your own boss and you know you don't have those that administration that you have to report to and things like that so Maybe that maybe that just worked out for the best. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I mean, I, I definitely would go back and work with Southern and Southern only, but and that's a whole nother conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. <laughs> so let's talk about the Bayou Classic. You say you don't remember any battles really, but I mean, I would thought I would have thought you would at least mention the Bayou Classic. I mean, the Bayou Classic historically has always been a Southern showcase. I mean, <laughs> just keep. I mean, Grambling is Grambling. They're a decent, you know, they're decent, but ain't nobody checking for Grambling. You know, everybody knows at the beginning of the year, they look for Southern University and Junior Southern University, which is Jackson State, yeah. and all, all our other sons. Uh, uh, what's what's the other thing? They, they started new crank fest and, you know, all-corn game, Texas Southern every blue moon. You know, it's just, you know, and of course, uh, when we play 
peas and carrots. Uh, what's the school? Florida A&M. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> you you are funny to me. Oh, that's so southern. Anyway. <laughs> So it's just like, okay, you did, you did your four years in the band, I'm assuming, and then you, you, you finished your time at Southern. And so what was your next step? I'm just curious. What'd you do after that? Oh, so when I finished my four years, I was still a music education major, but I was also, I started DJing and promoting parties. And so that's how I kind of got into this. Me being from here, a lot of my friends, they was cool with Yin Yang Twins. We all from the same side of town. I grew up around to the same school with people like Gucci Man, Rich Homie Kwan, uh, OJ the Juice Man. We all from the same neighborhood. So, you know, I knew a lot of people growing up here and I was just making beats, honestly. And Southern just, you know, we're in the dorm room vibing, you know, having college activities and freestyling. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So a lot of, you know, 420 activities. You know what I mean? So uh, a lot of... <laughs> My beats were just, you know, just for us to kick it and vibe to. And so I came back, you know, around my homeboys, come to the studio, just playing beats from them. It's like, oh, man, this is dope. This is dope. I was like, okay, cool. I really wasn't thinking nothing about it. Because uh, like I said, we used to rap to my, my beats on the bus, on bus two. You know what I'm saying? Like my junior and senior year, like we used to just freestyle and, and kick it on the bus. So I took them same beats and played them for people. You know, I'm thinking we'll do the same thing. They're like, hey. We want to buy our music for our album. I was like, okay, cool. So I didn't even know you got paid for this. I just thought, you know, it was what it was. And um, I ended up getting a placement on Jeezy's album. And then I ended up getting an uh, offer to work with College Park Music because of that. So I worked on a couple of Yin Yang projects, WWF. Then Jeezy came along, then they signed Hurricane Chris, which is in the background. Mm-hmm. And about a, a month and a half later, that's what Soldier Boy was signed. And it is here I am. Wow. That is fantastic. I mean, because you you've been able to like touch and work with so many artists and things like that, all from I guess being in your dorm room, right? That's kind of where it started, right? Yeah, that and um I left out one of the important parts. So the legendary late Carnell Knighton, mm-hmm. uh, the amazing musician and arranger, he had a music technology class that I took. I was already already in the wind ensemble. What ended up happening was this technology class. He was like, you know, he noticed moving around the computers a lot. And another professor in the music department, Dr. William Ryder, we had another music technology lab across there. So I went over there and set that up like in 10, 15 minutes. And uh, they both were like, so you're doing, being a band director? I think they were like, we think you need to go explore this. And at, at the time, it was relatively new. It's not as rapid as it is now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, I tried, you know, but, you know, I don't know how feasible this really is. And uh, there's like, no, you really should look into doing this. You know what I'm saying? And it went from there. So that was it. You know, Dr. Ryder and, uh Mr. Knighton were key in encouraging me to go ahead and pursue that, even though Southern at the time didn't have those programs. Right. Okay. So, you know, as you were talking, a a question just popped in my head. So when you're in the studio with, with someone, with any artist, what kind of things do you bring to that artist or maybe say to that artist that might have come 
from your time in Southern's band? Do you bring, what kind of qualities do you bring to that session? Um, this is more like an assessment thing. Like, you know, I remember, you know, because of Southern's band popularity, you have kids coming from, you know, everybody think the whole band comes from New Orleans. And honestly, the whole, it's about 10% of the band come from New Orleans. Really? Just 10%? Yes, you know, the best of the best from New Orleans, you know. So it's not, you know, the whole, we don't want the whole, we never had the whole city come out. It was the best, the creme de la creme from New Orleans. Um, so you had, you know, people who came from core style bands, you, people who came from, you know, the New Orleans culture. You had people who come from, you know, MEAC territory where, you know, they don't believe in certain things. So from that, I took knowing how to relate to people and find and meet them where they are. You know what I'm saying? If they're not, you know, when you play, when you come in the trumpet, everybody ain't going to play super first. Everybody ain't going to be hitting super C's. You need some people to play the high C's, you know, grand C's, super, this is, you know, other stuff. But you find people's strengths, you know, and play to that. So when I'm in the studio, an artist might not be a strong lyricist, but they might have a lot of personality. So I say, okay, let's go pull your personality out on this record instead of your lyricism, and you could be a great entertainer. Or mm -hmm. somebody not be a great entertainer, they might be a great lyricist, or they could have a great, they have great vocal range. They might not can dance that well, but let's insinuate your strengths. Okay, okay, that's that's a good lesson. I, you know, thought back about your time at Southern. What what were some of your favorite songs to play? I ain't gonna lie, all of them. Cause it's <laughs> like, it's like, I'm gonna tell you, like, it's like y'all can hear it on YouTube and y'all can go to the game, but to be inside of it is totally different. Like, you, it's, I can't describe it. Like, I remember the first time as a freshman when they were showing us love. And, you know, it was all freshmen in the, at the first time. And they put the band together with the upperclassmen. And we played the school song, Southern Spirit. I had never heard nothing like that to this day in my life. It was like, because, you know, you're coming from a high school band where, like, maybe, you know, you got a few good players on each instrument. You know, it, I had never heard been in a band where everybody can play right. to a certain you know what I'm saying? I never heard French horns play certain things. I never heard trombones playing with such style and the tubas better. Sound bad. That sounded like a bass guitar. It was just crazy. Even the even the percussion section, which was mind blowing because I take a lot of that into my production. Um, it's not a very busy section. They just kind of lay down the groove, and the music comes out more because the drums not clouding up everything so i took that and i just remembered the the beauty and the genius part of that in itself mm -hmm. yeah it's something to be said about just laying in the pocket you know not doing the most not doing too much just keeping it in the pocket yeah all those busy percussion sections like it's, it drives me crazy because you can barely hear the band Cause the song be simple and the tenor drums back they go and then the quads the doing all kind of stuff and then oh my god it just it just sounds crazy but uh that's that's what it was about it so 
that's what made all those songs so memorable. And just to hear Mr. Jackson and Mr. Knight and then uh, Nate when he was a student and then the current staff, you know, just to hear their interpretation of it. Even though these are all different people, it still sounds like Southern. And it is, it's a beautiful thing. It kind of makes you tear up sometimes, you know. I literally be like listening to stuff and I'd be like, I have the memories, you know, and coming into the field. Uh, Never Satisfied was one. Uh, I mean, all of them. Even to the point, like, when we hear PYT, you know, I might be out somewhere, I hear PYT, and I just might just start. And I just, my head just start Jaguar rocking. Yep. And it's crazy. It happens. You know what I'm saying? So it's just all of them. Yeah, it's it's involuntary. I can I can understand that. Um, so let's talk. Let's get into this book. So you know, let's let's put this plug out here. Okay. So both of us are part of the HBCU experience, HBCU band alumni edition. It's the second edition with just um, band folks, and mm -hmm. um, Corey has the honor of being the forward author. And so I'm so glad that you could be a part of this. I'm so glad. It's a huge honor. Um, and especially with, you know, like you, I'm glad you said that with, with people who actually played in the band. Um, because, you know, back when you had the fifth quarter, most of those people were in the band. And, you know, we didn't take the opinions of the fans too seriously on there like it is now, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know. They think their opinions are law, and it's, it's hilarious. But it's, I think that's what makes this book dope. I think when you hear it, I mean, when you read it, you're going to realize, you know, similarities from school to school, um, similar experiences, similar passions, you know, similar heartaches, you know, similar love being shown, you know, some stronger than others. But the love all across the HBCU band world. It's a lot of us and it's a lot of different schools represented as well. And so, you know, it's, it's some Southern folk and, you know, from other schools as well. <laughs> you know, we're able to help give back to our HBCU band programs because, you know, we need it. <laughs> yes, a lot of them need a lot of help, too. You know, uh, I do remember that a lot of the schools we did play needed a lot of help. You know, uh, just I know I'm, I'll get trash talking but they do they need any help i'm gonna tell you what i did remember most about southern like <laughs> it never felt like no matter what who we played you know it was always this bickering back and forth to the other school i remember because i went i'm from here a lot of people i went to school with was uh with alabama and them right and so they was i remember like they was like i got back on it's like yeah yeah we did this we did that and I was like, I don't remember none of y'all played. Because <laughs> we played in a high school. So it kind of, you know, they, what's the song? SOS, which is a FAMU song. I remember they played that. And I remember at that point, I ain't taking them serious. So the proceeds need to go back to these other schools because they needed help. Too. You know what? <laughs> you know and what? I cannot with you. <laughs> they used the proceeds to hire some more Southern grads to help them out, help their program out like Jackson State has done. Texas you know Southern. what? This North interview North was going North. so well before it turned left. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So, okay, uh, let's talk about Mr. Hankey. So, I know Mr. Yeah. Hankey is from South Park. 
I know that. Yeah. Was that your yeah. crab name? It sure was. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, sure was. And it stuck, it stuck like glue. Mm-hmm. That is funny. I'm not even going to ask you how you got that name because I know I know how y'all do. Yeah, I got it at a sex rehearsal. Uh, and yeah, I got it at a sex rehearsal. Sexual rehearsal. Okay. Okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you were able to talk with me today, but I would love for you to just give some like parting words of advice. You know, anything that's on your heart, anything that's on your heart. So yes, um, to all aspiring, you know, high school students or people who are in HBCUs now and they want to join their band, really take in consideration the people who come before you. I know a lot of times once drumline hit, there's a lot of Nick Cannon, you know, attitudes that spread throughout the band world. And I think it's calmed down a lot. But just realize, like, you're stepping into greatness, especially if you decide to go to Southern. You're stepping into superior greatness. And you, when you it's, we're going to only talk about other HBCUs, but we're going to talk about those who want to go to Southern later. When you go to other HBCUs, show them respect. You know, um, because a lot of them wanted to go to Southern, but they did well with their second choice. Okay. Now, for those of you who want to go to Southern University, there's a whole different thing. You know, make sure that you're ready. Okay. Make sure because you're standing on not only greatness, but the standard. Okay. This is the standard. All right. When everybody, somebody writes a song or an arrangement, it sounds good. First thing they run to YouTube and say, let me look at the Southern version first. Okay. So make sure that this is for you. Okay. When I went to Southern, I didn't apply to anywhere else. I auditioned for other places, but I knew where I was going. And you'll find that sentiment very similar with other human jukebox members, officially known as jukes. So just make sure that, you know, your mind is right. You can play. You can read and you'll be fine. You pick up your feet, you'll be all right. If not, I, that's what they have other schools for. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to let you have that. I'm going to let you have that. <laughs> and the funny thing about this, you know, people won't be able to see it, but you say it with an absolute straight face. Like, you are not playing. No, I'm, I'm serious. I'm so serious. Like, you, you have no idea which, like, it's, it's different, man. It's like, Marching at Southern, it's the biggest frat in HBCU. It's like the biggest frat on the yard. Like, it's it's serious. Like, I didn't know it. I remember when I was a freshman, because you had to cut your hair back in the day, and I remember I went to Walmart, and this guy just walked up on me. He was like, yeah, I'm from 83, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so, you know, what you play? What you play, young blood? And I was like, oh, um, I'm – He's like, yeah, yeah, keep. I'm going to see your homecoming. I'm going to see your homecoming. And when we was playing in the fifth quarter of homecoming, he was definitely right down the front. He was like, I see you. I see you. I was like, this is crazy. So just know it's a, it's a huge it's a huge honor in whatever school you go to. You know, it's a huge honor that what you're stepping into. Take it seriously. Be respectful to those before you. Not saying let anybody disrespect you but be very respectful before, you know, what came before you. If you go to Southern, I just said what I said, okay? <laughs> you know what? We we going to end on that note. That, that, I just, I just, you a mess. 
You have listened to the HBCU Band Experience with Christy Walker. Interviews and editing conducted by yours truly, Dr. Christy Walker. The music is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. And you can find this podcast on hbcubandexperience.podbean.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Take care.